Welcome to KC Connect podcast brought to you by IBEX Employer Relations Team. Across this series of short episodes, we will provide insight and expertise on some of the most common challenges for our members and discuss the case law shaping the employer relations landscape. My name is Fiona Higgins. I'm head of IBEX Knowledge Centre. And I am Stephen Driver, Head of Advocacy in our Employer Relations Division. For the next 10 minutes or so, we will discuss the recently published IBEX HR Update 2023. The annual survey captures key pay and HR trends in the Irish workplace. These insights guide policy making and establish best practice in the development of HR related initiatives for IBEX members. The responses received were between the end of June this year and mid-September. We received a good proportion of responses from IBEC members across a good section of IBEC member companies ranging in sizes and sectoral industries from financial services, retail, hospitality, manufacturing, encompassing both traditional and high-tech manufacturing. This year's survey was expanded to provide insight across a range of additional information, including organisational ownership and workforce profiling, which revealed that participating businesses were evenly split between Indigenous enterprises and Irish-based multinational organisations. So just under half the organisations responding to this survey this year are Irish-owned. In addition, we asked about where HR decisions were being made and we found that over 50% of multinational organisations had HR operations here. The survey is also representative of both office and manufacturing environments and that's important from uh, the flexible working and hybrid arrangements that we'll discuss later in this survey. But more about that later. Um, first of all, just to start on some of our staples. So over to you, Stephen, maybe just to talk about the pay elements and resourcing uh, in the survey. So maybe let's start with what we discovered in the survey around uh, pay uh, for 2023 for this year. Thanks, Fiona. Yeah, we've seen a sustained focus on employers to provide higher wages, which is reflective of high levels of inflation and cost of living pressures. So 84% of businesses increased their pay uh, in 2023, with an average rate of 4.4%, which is actually higher than the 3.82% uh, forecasted in last year's survey for this year. of respondents uh, made pay increases of between 3 and 5%. And the sectors that increased pay by the highest percentage were in the hotel, leisure and tourism at 5.9% and the retail sector at 5.3%. And is there any particular reason for the higher pay increases in those sectors, Stephen? Yeah, Fiona, it's it's reflective of a tight labour market. We've got full employment, 2.6 million people in employment. Uh, and also as well, uh, we have to factor in the 7.6% increase in the minimum wage at the start of 2023. So moving on then into 2024, what is the landscape in terms of that labour market looking like and pay looking like for next year? What are employers telling us? 
Yeah, so, so businesses uh, are going to continue to face the challenge of sustainably managing their operational costs while meeting their resourcing needs in a tight labour market to remain competitive. will also face continued elevated pay expectations into 2024. So 82% of businesses expect to increase their pay next year with an average rate of 3.8%. Interestingly, 21% of those respondents expect to increase in excess of 4%. And again, the sectors that expect to increase pay by the highest percentage are in the hotel, tourism and leisure sector at 6.5% and the retail sector at 5.2%. And again, what is driving that? Is it down again to the, the labour market uh, being so tight Stephen? Yeah, that's that's a key factor in consideration, but also as well the um, increase that is due in the minimum wage uh, on the 1st of January. So we've, we've seen on, on Budget Day, uh, the government uh, accepted the recommendation of the Low Pay Commission to increase the minimum wage from 11.30 to 12.70 from the 1st of January 2024. This is a 12% increase, which we expect to be followed by two similar size increases in 2025 and 2026 as the national minimum wage is brought in line with the government policy of achieving a living wage by 2026 of 60% of the median wage in the Irish economy. That's quite a significant hike, isn't it? It, it is, absolutely. And this significant increase will have implications right across sectors and industries as the impact will not only be felt at entry-level rates of pay, but through pay scales and the relativities and keeping those relativities in play uh, across the various grades of job mm-hmm. roles. Okay. So then, um, Stephen, moving on to resourcing um, and to hiring, um, particularly if you're looking at a tight labour market, what is the survey telling us in relation to hiring? Yeah, so this year in 2023, we saw so, uh, 45% increase their, their headcount with the highest levels in, in the services sector and the high-tech manufacturing sectors. The main reasons uh, for increasing headcount this year were increased production, expansion of, of businesses and building talent pipelines. Interestingly, the average staff turnover rate at 9.7%, uh, which is lower than previous years, is suggesting a cooling of mobility within the labour market and is consistent with the recruitment challenges that organisations are, are facing. And then into 2024, is that likely to continue? Are we likely to see a, a little bit of a, a cooling off then? We're going to see 45% of organisations looking to increase their headcount again in 2024. This is indicative of, of confidence in the economy. And it's forecasted that in those organisations, they'll increase their headcount by an average of 9.4%. Okay, so it, it, it's likely to continue the, um, the resourcing. Okay. Yes, absolutely. Fiona, th- there's plenty of, I suppose, challenges on the employment and, and policy uh, front. Can yeah. you talk to us a little bit about the developments and, and what challenges organisations are facing? Yeah, um, for the second year running in this survey, we asked respondent employers uh, to tell us what developments out of an array of employment and policy areas are having the greatest impact on their organisation. So probably no surprises that the employee expectations on remote and hybrid working came out on top again this year. 
This aligns with our own experiences from talking to employers um, that they're still working through their own operating models and they're ascertaining the optimum ways for flexible working uh, to operate that's conducive to their own businesses and employees. Additionally, um, employers are still waiting to see uh, the WRC Code of Practice on right to remote working and flexible working as provided under the Work-Life Balance Act. On the subject of the Work-Life Balance Act, increases in statutory leave such as medical leave and uh, domestic violence leave and then separately um, parental leave are also identified as having the second greatest impact for employers. And then in third place, which is really interesting, the limitations on the use of probation clauses, which was introduced at the end of last year in December 2022 in contracts of employment, following the transposition of the EU directive on transparent and predictable working conditions. There were statutory changes on probation limiting the use in the private sector to ordinarily six months has upset long-standing norms in the operation of probation. So that has really impacted a lot of employers in terms of uh, doing that. And that would correlate with uh, what we've experienced with employers in terms of uh, that practice. And we've been dealing with a lot of operational issues as a result of that. There's a lot in there in terms of the challenges for organisations. Is there uh, legislation coming down the track in in the pipeline from from the EU that organisations are probably not yet taken into account but are uh, really crucial in terms of their operating model? A lot. There's a lot of um, EU directives in the pipeline. So the future regularity requirements in EU directives are identified by respondent employers at comparatively lower levels in reality. So their impact is likely to increase as the obligations for compliance become clearer for them. Really, as as they transpose into Irish legislation, that's when the rubber hits the road in relation to that. This would include the EU directives on artificial intelligence, directives in relation to platform workers, the transpose Transparency Directive and the Corporate Sustainability Reporting Directive, uh, which takes effect in January of next year. Thanks, Fiona. I suppose we, we've we've covered some of the challenges ar- around increased uh, pay expectations, heightened regulation and legislation in the employment space. What are organisations doing on the talent management front in relation to their workforces? Yeah, to address the talent management priorities, you really have to look at what the challenges are, first of all, faced by businesses. So we did ask them um, to identify what they are. And the main issues faced by businesses are the availability, first of all, of talent, which is no surprise in a tight labour market, followed by upward wage pressure at 70% as identified by most organisations and then thirdly the cost of living pressure which we asked this year for the first time was identified by most employers as being an, an issue. So then we asked them well what are the talent priorities that they're going to implement to deal with those particular issues. Um, so 
The focus for 2024 for a quarter of the respondents is on acquiring talent, followed by a talent strategy and business alignment. So looking at employment, employee retention is a big issue. Investment in learning and development would be another um, critical issue, as well as investments in leadership and development and performance management. They all appear as top management priorities. Um, hence, it kind of tends to point towards an inward focus on talent development. Fiona, are we seeing any shift or change in the approach to talent management strategies from, I suppose, traditional models to something that's more evolving? Yeah, as as the workplace evolves, certainly there is, um, you know, particularly with the advent of uh, digitization, AI, future workplace, we see the talent strategies developing. So we see a shift away from the traditional job roles in some cases to skills based models. So allied to this will be the development of more employee experience where the career and the personal expectations of the employee will have to be considered, you know, particularly if employees want to retain them in the long term. Some interesting challenges there. Absolutely, absolutely. We looked at some HR trends as well, Fiona. Um, ESG, very topical at at the moment. Can you talk us through about what our respondents said? Yeah, and this is the third year that we surveyed our HR community about the ESG operations, particularly in, in relation to the role that HR practitioners play in relation to this. So it's evident that the HR community contributes significantly to ESG on behalf of business and that's especially under the social pillar as the impact on employees, contractors and communities. So it's an important issue such as employment rights compliance, diversity, equity, DNI, I mean diversity, equity and inclusion, um, as well as policies on anti-corruption and human rights also fall under that pillar. So what we found in the survey in particular this year, and we asked a lot more questions in relation to it, we found that there's a greater um, engagement on ESG activities compared to 2022. And interestingly, we found um, a bigger uptick in respondents' activities on it. In fact, we found that 44% of respondents now have an ESG strategy in place. To pull through the diversity, equity and inclusion piece yeah. on, on that, it's interesting that 44% of, of companies report that they have a formal strategy in place. However, responses across various categories of our survey identified significant activities in companies addressing diversity, equity and inclusion in, in the workplace. And I suppose in the, in the current full employment environment, there's an opportunity, I, I think, for organisations to take strides towards finding untapped talent. Uh, so looking at areas of, uh, of the economy, of the, the, the labour force that hasn't been traditional in terms of participation in the workplace. So an opportunity on that front. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And then as you go towards um, looking at the whole area of flexible and remote working, that comes into the fore in terms of, you know, the attracting and retaining talent. If you look at the diverse work practices and service delivery models, um, most companies are still working through to adopt a blend of approaches here. This is the third time we asked this again of most organisations and we found 
that the most popular is um, a manager or team led approach to uh, looking at flexible uh, models in relation to hybrid and flexible working. Um, we asked employers uh, in addition to look at uh, the list of actions that their organisations put in place to encourage uh, on-site uh, working um, and mainly collaboration days is the most effective in terms of generating on-site engagement. Other initiatives with high effectiveness ratings have been uh, compulsory on-site attendance um, for particular days, consultation with staff in developing their remote and hybrid working models, and then investment in particular on-site gatherings as well are important. The trends in best practice involve worker consultation, though, around this. If you want to get this right, it has to be based on investment and conscious work design. Yeah, that's very interesting, Fiona. Fiona, how is the shifting operating models uh, impacting the recruitment uh, efforts of uh, organisations? Um, well, they found it more challenging. All right, this is interesting. We asked um, employers a particular question. If they found it challenging to attract and retain people for on-site roles compared to roles that allow for flexible and hybrid working, and more than half of the businesses found it difficult to attract or retain people for on-site roles versus hybrid roles. So to remedy this, many are actively addressing these challenges through measures such as investing in workplace well-being or reviewing company benefits and investing in learning and development as kind of a balancing uh, effort to, you know, uh, to, to kind of, I suppose, attract people where there are simply on-site roles where they can't do anything about the uh, hybrid element. And in terms of the well-being agenda in particular, what are our respondents telling us on that front? There's a really good response rate on this across all uh, sectors and all sizes of respondents. The majority of respondents, both large and small, had formal policies and or a programme of activities to support its delivery in the workplaces. So we found evidence of people engaged in various well-being activities to support their workforces. However, as you scale up on activities, um, issues such as money, uh, resources uh, were identified as barriers to expansion in, in terms of well-being, which is a common issue, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So, Stephen, in terms of then one of the other uh, new elements that we surveyed this year was in relation to learning and development. What did we find there? And I know we 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 haven't reported as much in this survey as we we discovered in this. Yeah, Fiona, as you outlined earlier, learning and development will be a top priority in twenty twenty four, and while there's a, a already a strong adoption of initiatives in this area. Some industry sectors uh, may be missing out on opportunities to engage with digital tools as well as education and and training bodies. Some bit of encouragement, uh, one third of respondents have developed a more strategic approach now to to, to learning and development. However, it's interesting to note that only 17% of respondents uh, indicate that they are very satisfied with the range of skills in the Irish workforce with just 19% identifying that they're very satisfied with the quality of, of the skills available. That's quite low, isn't it? Yeah, I, I suppose uh, there's clearly a need to consider what the future skills requirements 
particularly with the groundswell mm-hmm. of attention uh, that artificial intelligence in particular is gaining. And on to that then in terms of artificial intelligence, again, that's a new area we've been exploring with our employers. So what did we discover in relation to artificial intelligence? Yeah, we can see that 59% of respondents state that artificial intelligence has the potential to enhance productivity and work conditions. But only 29% agree their organisation has a skill set to adopt artificial intelligence. It's evident from the survey results that those companies yet to implement any significant AI that there's considerable uncertainty about what the benefits are, the challenges or the impacts of AI uh, may bring for them. One of the areas that organisations can, can look at as they're embarking on their AI journey is to ensure consulting with staff to engender trust in AI is paramount to its implementation. Great. Thank you for that, Stephen. And that concludes this episode. Thank you for listening. For more content like this, be sure to explore the audio hub on ibec.ie and follow ibec on Twitter at ibec underscore IRL. A copy of this full report is available for download under the ibec EOR hub. Thank you.